Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. Yes, uh, on today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 19 of Seventh Heaven, the title of which is... This is the voice! Boom. <laughs> you know, like... The NBC show. I've actually never watched that show. The Voice. Sorry, it's called The, the Voice. <laughs> the title of the episode is The Voice. Uh, in Germany, the title of the episode is The Voice of the Gentleman. And in France, it is A Little Voice Told Me. And I guess if you're in a Spanish-speaking country, it would be La Vaz. Um, Thanks for that. So, so our IMDb user synopsis of this episode is... The lonely school janitor, Rudy, whom almost nobody talks to except Simon, refuses to accept early retirement, even if that may mean getting sacked, claiming God's own voice wants him to stay on without a specific reason. The vice principal isn't impressed and tells mediator Eric the forgetful old man has become a liability. Matt is worried sick after seeing his girl, S-H-N-A, Schna, (laughs) hug a fellow student who turns out to buy his old buddy Tucker, yet the episode isn't without consequences. Mary concocts another harebrained plan to escape a night with Lucy, who this time refuses to play along and do extra babysitting. An elusive chimpanzee shows himself only to Ruthie. Schnah. <laughs> this summary was wrong, also. I mean, it was... Yeah, well, the thing about Mary's wrong, um, but I think... The rest of it seems okay. Schna. Schna. Um, Schna is Shauna, if nobody picked up on that. Picked up yeah. on that. Picked up on that. Um, so the cold open is very short, and it's just a meeting between the Rev and Rudy, who is the junior high custodian. Uh, he seems familiar with the Rev when he comes in because he's like, you're Simon Camden's father. And we find out later that I don't really know how he would have gotten this information, but he's like, Simon is the only kid who, like, says hello to me at the middle school. Sometimes I think, you know, the kids, like, think I'm invisible or whatever. And Rudy tells the Rev that, um, well, first he asks the Rev if, like, does God talk to you? Do you feel God's presence? And the Rev is like, I feel God's presence every day. And then Rudy kind of says, like, does he talk to you? And the Rev says yes, but he's like, no, out loud. Because we find out that God talks to Rudy out loud. Um, all, apparently a, a very often, and that he specifically had a conversation with God a couple of days ago in which he said to go and speak to the reverend. And then the reverend kind of gets this look on his face. And then it's the opening credits. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> nope, that's, that's not, not the, the opening credits. <laughs> that was my impression of the opening credits. Uh, which ha- played after that scene. Um so uh, we'll actually get back to Rudy and the Rev at the end of our podcast. But first, we're going to talk about Matt. Yeah. So Shna, um, so Matt. Matt is like, oh, uh, Annie, he's like ready to leave the house. And Annie or someone is like, are you going to meet up with Shauna? And he's like, no, it's finals. So, yeah, he's having this conversation with Annie. And uh, he's like, it's finals. So we're not really going to be seeing each other much this week. Um and then the next scene we have is he's at the library at school with another friend, and he sees Schna uh, with another man. Um, and he's like, oh, I didn't know that Schna was going to be here. <laughs> she didn't tell me she was coming to the library. And then he sees Schna um, 
sorry, I can't keep on saying that, uh, hug this other gentleman, and then they go off together. And so he's like, we are seeing other people. <laughs> and his friend is not buying it. Uh, so then I don't... He runs in... So the next day, he runs into Simon, and he's like, Simon, if Shannon calls, uh, let her know that I am busy. Like, something to that effect. Yeah, and, and Simon's he, like, why don't you tell her yourself? Trouble in Loveland. And he's like, why would you say that? And he's like, well, either way, if you see Shana, give her a hug. <laughs> I can't call her Shana anymore. <laughs> it's, too, it's too much. I'm going to keep on going for as, as long as I can. Um, and Matt's like, why a hug? Why not something else? And he's like, well, she's, like, better. I know her more than just a handshake or just to say hello, but I don't know her well enough to give her a kiss. So then... So Matt's like, oh, so, like... I'm comfortable, like, kissing her, so I must have a better relationship with her than this other guy anyway. So he thinks, oh, maybe I overreacted, which is, duh, Matt, you overreacted. <laughs> um, so he shows up at her apartment building. But dun-dun-dun. He sees this gentleman from the library. Leaving Schna's apartment, and so he decides not to even go in. Uh and he's kind of, like, worked up about this. And the next we really hear from Matt is him and Mary having a conversation. And i just like to say, welcome back this relationship. I feel like we haven't seen Matt and Mary really speaking to each other. Since, like, se- season two. Or, well, well, early since, like, season two? I don't know. But, like, we haven't had any, like, good older brother, older si- like, the older sibling moments in a really long time. Yeah, and I feel like we got a lot in season one, so... So I'm I'm glad that this is that we had this like nice scene between them where Matt basically tells him what like everything that's going down with Shauna and Mary gives him advice. He said she says, "Well, first of all, you shouldn't jump to conclusions. You should have all the facts before you talk to her. Uh, two, don't like go confronting her because I hate when guys get all possessive." Mm-hmm. And Matt's like, "You're right. I should figure everything out first." Yeah. Um so I think the next thing is Matt's at the library again, mm-hmm. and he runs into the well. He runs into an old buddy of his, Tucker Barrelson. Barrelson, Barrelson, whatever. And um, he's like, we find out that this is a childhood friend who moved away In the fifth when grade. they were yeah when they were young. And um, Tucker really likes to hug people. He's yeah, a hugger. Uh, and he's <laughs> and while they're so all right, I don't know where I'm going with this, but so. They're having a conversation. Oh, and Tucker is like, oh, I thought I saw you the other day in my apartment building. And Matt's like, oh, your apartment building. So he realizes that Tucker also lives there. Um, and he's like, oh, who do you know there? And before, because Matt doesn't want to say Schna because obviously Tucker was coming out of her apartment. Um, but this other guy walks by them and Tucker goes to hug him and the other guy like looks afraid, right. <laughs> like runs away from this hug and Tucker's like, oh, some people just aren't huggers. So then Matt's like putting it together and he's like, Tucker's just a hugger. Tucker is just a hugger. <laughs> Tucker the hugger. I need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, so we're going to start, we're going to start selling seven, seven t-shirts. Tucker's a hugger. Um, anyway, maybe we should get a sticker that says that. Um, watch Camden Cast and we'll learn more about Tucker the Hugger. Um, or not watch, I guess listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so he, so 
Matt, Matt goes to see Schnaw with a bouquet of flowers. It's not, I didn't really like the bouquet of flowers he put together for this. No. For this apology. Not great. Um, so he apologizes, telling her how he jumped to a conclusion. We find out that actually they aren't in an exclusive relationship yet. So I think in this scene, they finally... Yeah, they're like, they, they define the relationship. Uh, that so. they're exclusively seeing each other. Yeah. So good for them, I Happy guess. Happy ending for Matt. Just, you know, normal misunderstand, normal hijinks. For, hijinks. For Matt and Shauna, who I've decided I don't like. So, <laughs> there we go. I'm, like, indifferent, really. Uh, no, she, eh, eh. I guess I am also indifferent, but more so on the, I don't like her like, side of indifferent. Like, did you like Heather? No. Because... <laughs> Because I count that as like the only other person. You know, the only one Matt's I really liked dated. was the one that I was attracted to. Oh, Connie. <laughs> yeah, Connie. They was never he- dated. Right. Well, almost. They kissed a couple of times. This um, is true. That is Matt's storyline. Um, we will move on to Ruthie and the more hijinks. Um, so Ruthie gets a ball. Um, she actually steals it right. from Simon. And. Um, you know, she's playing with this ball in the kitchen, and then the Rev is also playing with this ball in the kitchen. And Annie's on edge. <laughs> um, she's like... Can- so she thinks the bouncing of the ball is annoying, and she asks Ruthie to go outside. Um, and then we get kind of, I think, some of the best cinematography that we've seen on 7th Heaven. <laughs> it, like, the camera kind of follows the ball, so, like, it bounces down a little bit and then up and then it's like level with Ruthie and then Ruthie bounces it again and then she bounces it real high and it goes woof and the camera also goes woof the camera also goes way up and the ball doesn't come down so Ruthie looks and there is a chimpanzee who has taken the ball the chimpanzee is wearing shorts (laughs) and uh the rest of Ruthie in this episode is her talking to the monkey the chimpanzee that is in the tree. Who won't give back the ball. Um, and uh, she, she, like, feeds it bananas and, like, peanuts. But, but the hijinks from this all come from the fact that nobody else... Like, it's really there. I think they they don't want you to know that at first because they want you to think that Ruthie's, like, losing it. Um, which kind of goes with this other plot line in the episode with Rudy and talking to God. But... Um, because every time you see Ruthie talking to the to the chimpanzee, uh, and then you see like another relative looking up at the tree, the chimpanzee is no longer there. Yeah. And the relative leaves, and the monkey comes back. And at one point, um, Ruthie's looking up, and she doesn't see it. And the rev comes out, and he sees just because she's looking up at the tree, he assumes that like Ruthie's seeing the monkey again. So he says hello, and then Ruthie rubs her eyes, and the monkey appears. So. I don't know what was going on, what we're supposed to... What's real? Is anything real? Is anything real? What is real? Uh, this happens again with Annie, who also has a weird like moment where she remembers that she's Ruthie's mother, because I feel like they've basically forgotten about Ruthie as a child. Yeah. Because um, she asks Ruthie... We'll get to Annie's storyline in a second, but basically Annie's leaving for the night, and she asks Ruthie, are you okay with me going? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> got a monkey to take care of. And he's like, she's like, okay. And Ruthie's like, do you want to meet the chimpanzee? And and he's like, sure. So then Annie just thinks this is like another hooey situation. So she talks to this empty, empty chair, right? And Ruthie's like, I'd rather you go instead of pretending to talk to the, to the monkey. monkey all night. He was here before, but he left. So 
Um, and then, so at the end, uh, this man who apparently is a new neighbor... His name is Curtis. Uh, ...comes over because he is looking for his chimpanzee um, that he is... He uh, is... Uh, he has, he's on, like, crutches. I'm not sure. He, I'm he's not disabled. He, yeah. Um, he has a physical disability. Yeah. And he's saying... He's, he basically tells the Rev that he has a chimpanzee because he's trying to train it to become, like, a service animal because there's somebody who has a very strong... Pre- like, who's trying to get a service animal that has a very strong preference for chimpanzees over other animals. So they're trying to see if this works. Uh, Apparently it's not really working because a chimpanzee has run away and some other neighbors saw it, like, hanging around the Camden house. So... Um, they the, go up to... Well, the Rev, like, has this moment of realization where he's like, oh, my daughter is not seeing things, or pretending... Well, he said, he was like, I haven't seen your chimpanzee, but I know someone who has. They go up to Ruthie's room, and the Rev's like, uh, this is Curtis. He is looking for the monkey. Chimpanzee, sorry. Um... I mean, yeah. Yeah. Where is it? And Ruthie points up, and he's sleeping on the top bunk, or in the top bunk. Uh, and he gets out of the covers, and he's wearing pajamas. We learn the chimpanzee's name is Eisenhower. Yeah. Curtis did not name him, just FYI. He doesn't want anyone thinking that. Uh, and then that's... Uh, Eisenhower gives the ball back. Yeah. And that that's it. So uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's Ruthie's storyline. Go. I think Ruthie had a great storyline. I don't know why this monkey came into play, but it did. Yeah, so, we have uh, no fun facts about the monkey, unfortunately. No. But he did some great monkey acting. Yeah. More animal acting, which we are all for here at Camden Cast. <laughs> so then we have Annie. So, She's actually got her own storyline. Which is exciting and fun. Um, Annie is the mother of twins and other children. She is kind of fed up with her life right now. Uh, her, like, right after the opening credits, her, like intro to the ep- in the episode is like double speed her warming up like baby's milk bottles and then testing the milk bottles and then running upstairs it's called the two bottle dash yeah um then patricia hamilton calls welcome back patricia hamilton uh we saw her pretty recently uh and she's like annie you got to get out of the house because no one has seen you since the babies were born, and it would just be nice for you to have a night out um, without any of your kids bothering you. So they were like, well, so Annie's like reluctant, uh, and Patricia's like, I'll figure out how we're going to get you out of the house. So Patricia makes up this thing where she's like, oh, we can have a meeting of the Women's Interdenominational Church Council, WIC. or the WIC, yeah. Um, before this happens... The Rev also notices how grouchy and kind of like, uh, what's the word? When, Irritable. Yeah, no, what's the word when you are stuck? Stir crazy. <laughs> Sorry. Um, cabin fever. Cabin fever, that's it. That's what I was thinking. Like, she has a little bit of cabin fever. And there, I was like, maybe me and you can have a night out, out on the town. And Andy's like, no. No, no, I don't want to see anyone who lives in this house. Uh, so the Wick decides that they, well... This is, like, a big joke, too, for some reason. Like, the Rev is, like, wants to know where Annie's going. And, like, it's weird and possessive, and I didn't like it. Um, Oh, I guess this is where, like, the Rev and Matt kind of line up. Yeah, it seems like he's, like, wants to go out and check up on her or whatever on her night out. Um, But she keeps saying, like, it's going to be this important meeting. 
Um, so she doesn't tell him where he, where they're going, and then he's like, oh, is it a place you need to get dressed up to go? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth in this where the, the Rev also doesn't, like, is kind of dubious about what Wick is. Yeah. Like, what, what do you guys discuss? What's your, like, mission statement? <laughs> She's like, it changes every year. We'll figure we, it we, out. Yeah, we're going to decide at the meeting what we're going to focus on this year. Uh... She has this moment where she's, like, figuring out what to wear, and he's like, well, what do you usually wear to Wick meetings? Maybe a red, fancy red dress. She ends up wearing this, like, sparkly... Sequin, yeah, no, spark, yeah. With feathers on, like, the wrists. The wrists have, like, a feather thing. I don't. Yeah, that's um, the best description I can think of. Um... Well, anyway, so they go out, they go to the pool hall, which is not, like, the Rev is there all the time. If I was trying not to run into him... I'd go somewhere different. Yeah. Um, and they, we start with a toast, and it's toast to Diet Pepsi. Diet Coke. Oh, Diet Coke. I'm sorry, I was thinking of Pepsi because of <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, and they keep saying things like, I'll drink to that, and then, like, th- tossing back their Diet Cokes. So and at a certain point, a waiter comes over, and he's like, can I get you anything else? And Patricia's like, another pitcher of Diet Coke, and keep them coming, so... As if it was alcohol. They're having a wild night. Um, so the way that the Wick meeting starts is that there's, like, a thing, like, a tradition. So first, you dump the guilt. So, uh... Annie, like, dumps her guilt for being there, which is like, oh, I left the babies alone with Mary and Lucy, and they're like, oh, they can take care, like, the rest of the women. It's Patricia, and then these, like, three other women that show up out of nowhere. We've never seen them before. Yeah. And then it's the dumping of the anger, and she talks about the things that make her angry about her life. You know, like, people not being able to find their shoes or something. Yeah, and it's uh, Patricia and these three other women who we've never, ever, ever seen before, but... We gather that, like, I guess they're also ministers' wives, and they all have a bunch of kids, and that's why their lives are stressful. And they have these meetings, I guess, like, a couple of times a year. To get wasted on the D.C. Yeah, on the Diet Coke. Um, So, fast forward to some karaoke. Uh, Yeah, we have a beautiful scene, which will definitely be on our social media, of Annie singing Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Um, Um, I, I, I... I don't know what else to say. <laughs> um, so it, she seems like she's drunk, but again, they've only been drinking Diet Coke. Yes. So maybe she's like has a caffeine high. I guess. And apparently, like, this is not normal Annie behavior because they've never seen her do this during karaoke or done karaoke before. The the Wick women. Yeah. Uh, I keep on wanting to say Wiccan, but that's not <laughs> Maybe right. that's really what <laughs> that's they're doing. Right. Um, but... Yeah, she's having the time of her life, and she really enjoys her girls' night out, and it's great. Yeah, Go Annie. good for her. Um, That's it. And then, well, <laughs> uh, then after she finishes karaoke, she's like, I have to call the house. I have to check up on everyone. And I don't know, I feel like they try to persuade her not to, but she does it anyway. They're like, no, everything's under control. And everything is under control, so... That's all I've got to say about that. She comes home. We have another, like, funny, like, slightly funny scene. It's not really that funny. Of the rep being like, where were you? Yeah, again. And she's like, no, I'm not telling. (laughs) Well, she basically, before all of this, she's like, isn't it great that our marriage still has teeny tiny secrets? (laughs) And the rep is like, no. No, no (laughs) secrets. I need to know everything. Um, But that's really it for Annie. Yeah, so, uh... 
What do we got? Uh, Mary, Mary and Lucy again. Yeah. You don't, you don't like this. I know. So uh, Mary has another harebrained scheme. Harebrained? Like, I don't know. Has Mary had a lot of schemes? Maybe. Maybe lately she seems to be scheming. Yeah. Not like, I don't know. I don't know. They make it seem like classic Mary. But it's not really. I feel like nobody really, the person who schemes in the show is Ruthie and Simon. Yeah. The people who scheme. Um, So Mary and Lucy Lucy, have lined up a job at the country club, courtesy of Corey, who was supposed to have graduated. Like three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. But it's still there. But apparently she's now the same, still in the, she gets, she keeps getting left back until she graduates with Mary. Uh, Corey is Courtney from General Hospital. That's all you need to know. Yeah. We haven't seen her, and they just talked about her in this episode. We don't see her. No, we do see her. She's at she at the scene outside the school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, anyway, the job requires... It's like a Friday night or something. Saturday night. Uh, yeah, and it would require them to be um, out pretty late. And they know that, like, Annie and the Rev don't really want Mary driving late at night. And also, it's like a party, so they're like... There'll be alcohol. Yeah. Like, at the country club where Aunt Mary says, like, where they have never been, which I think is, like, <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I get that it wasn't supposed to be funny, but the connotations of the fact that they've never been to the country, like, our parents don't go to the country club. Yeah. Um, so, but the whole thing, there's, like, a finesse about, or, like, a way that they have to ask the parents to have this happen. Or, like, to be able to do this. And Mary is like, let's do it so they don't have enough time to say no. Let's not ask too early. And Lucy's like, but your plans never work. And Mary says, well, that's because you ruined them. Well, I think also, because I started to wonder, I was like, why is Lucy so opposed to them, like, earning the favor? Because what they keep doing is offering to be helpful around the house. Um, And... I think Lucy is like, I don't want to do all of this extra work if they're just going to say no anyway. So Lucy is like, we should ask up front, and if they say yes, then be helpful. So, that, but Well, I think Lucy's other thing is that Lucy realizes that all this extra work is stuff she's going to be doing and not Mary, which is something that we have seen before, that like Lucy's the one yeah, that... Yeah, Mary like overcommits herself, and then she's just like, oh, Lucy will do it. Right. Uh, which we've seen happen. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of this, like, a lot of the Lucy-Mary storyline is this back and forth of them disagreeing about when to ask. Um, and Lucy's like, I'm going to ask whenever I want. And Mary's like, fine, do it. But if it all blows up in our face, you owe me $50. Um, which is when we see Corey outside the school. Yeah. Um, so I think Lucy decides, she's like, you know what, um, you do it your way, but, like, I'm not helping you. And I think this is how it ends up being, that Mary's the one that's going to babysit the kids. The yeah. babies. Um, I guess well, this is where we learn that Mary's not really babysat the babies before. Yeah, and that, like, she doesn't... She has apparently has no idea what to do, um, according to Lucy. Uh, so all of the kids are, like, giving her lessons and tips on baby care, whatever. Simon, like, tells her what to do after each child's feeding. Because Simon is responsible for them being boys, so he (laughs) takes care of them. So, like, you know, Sam, you have to burp, and the other one you have to lay down, otherwise you'll get Dave juice all over you, or David juice all over you. (laughs) Um, mm -mm. (laughs) Matt's like, I don't want any part of this. 
And Lucy's like, you're not going to last a minute. Uh, but guess what? Apparently, Mary is like the baby whisperer. Because they, like, sleep through their feedings. They, like, have a very restful night. Which, you know what? I'm actually really happy about. Because in my head, I really wanted that to happen. I like it when people subvert expectations. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, good for Mary. She didn't have to do any work. Yeah. That's Um. great. (laughs) Um, And then, at the end, both Mary and Lucy are... They get their Christmas wish. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're both, they both have a baby in hand, and it's a picture-perfect picture moment. It's beautiful. And Annie's like, and you guys can go and work. And we find out that, so Mary is like, looks at Lucy, and she's like, you already asked? And um, Lucy is like, no, I did not. And Annie says she ran into Corey's parents at the pool hall, and they told her all about the job opportunity. So... It's all great. And also, I, this entire night of work is only for $50. Well, my, I think it might be, oh, they're each being paid $50. I would say maybe they're being paid 100 and they have to split it, but that doesn't make That's any the sense. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't seem like that great of a deal. Especially because the party goes until midnight. Yeah. I guess maybe if it's like $10 an hour. Maybe they'll get tips. <laughs> I hope they got tips. <laughs> okay. Anyway. The final storyline, the main one. Why it's called The Voice. Yeah, it's about the janitor man who came to go see the Rev. So, um, so the story continues after the cold, after the opening credits, with the Rev coming up to Simon and saying, oh, hey, uh, Rudy came to see me. No, no, Simon's like, oh, Rudy came to see you. He, he told me. So we find out that Rudy and Simon have lunch together. And, yeah, because I don't understand. Because Rudy doesn't have friends. But I'm like, this sounds more like Simon doesn't have friends. Yeah. Um, And that because Rudy has all these great stories about the quote-unquote old days. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 And the Rev's like, you didn't tell him to come see me, did you? He's like, no. And suddenly the Rev is like, why do you think God said me? And Simon's like, well, you're a great guy, and you always give good advice. And I was like, are you blinded by the fact that this man is your father but okay so yeah so the rev also um like seems to not believe that god is speaking to rudy which indicates that the rev does not believe in god um well yeah he's like it's strange that the that god would say me specifically like mm -hmm, why yeah um i think the next thing that really happens here is the school calls the rev in right yeah um, and it's because they wanted uh, Rudy to retire, and they were getting ready to, like, offer him his severance package because, like, he's put so many years in at the school, and they just want to, you know, be done with it. And apparently he was ready to retire, and he was going to accept uh, the the package, but after speaking to the Rev, he was, like, inspired to stay on uh, longer. So... We learned that the re- one of the reasons that um, the school wants to get rid of or wants to let him go is because Rudy recently, like, got into the petty fund. The petty, petty cash, cash and bought 25 gallons or 20, 20, 20 or 25 gallons of shellac. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm like, no, but we don't need it. Yeah. Um, and apparently it was because God told him to... Uh, there's, like, a meeting of the school board and, like, parents about what to do about Rudy because 
it's unsettling for him to be there in the school because of his talking to God? Yeah. I ask because this is weird. I I mean, it might be dangerous if he's, like, doing things that voices are telling him and they think right. that it's, like, some sort of, um, like, mental health issue. So, like, they don't want him. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So they have the meeting, but Rudy isn't there. Um, I don't really understand why Rudy isn't there since it's about him. Yeah, and they end up having a vote on whether, like... I don't know whether or not he should be, like, retire or whatever. If he should and be let go or not, or if he should, because he, because Rudy wants to stay on for another however long. So they decide that, um, they're like, oh, since Rudy's not here to accept the terms of his retirement, we're just going to accept it for him. But before <laughs> this can happen, the Rev stands up, because the Rev and Simon both are at this meeting. Simon's all dressed up in his, like, brown suit, looking all professional <laughs> and stuff. For some reason, yeah. Uh, and the Rev talks about how he talks to God every day. Yeah, and, and nobody questions him. Because, wait, you have the quote written oh, down, don't a, you? Yeah, he's like, I'm in the God business, and God is in the people business. And Rudy is fine people. Right. And then Rudy shows up, and Rudy says that the reason he showed up was because God told him to. Yeah. And that he listens to what God has to say, and so far God hasn't steered him the wrong way. Yeah. I was just questioning... Stored? Yeah. Stirred him? Uh, What the the past tense of steer is. Yeah, no, uh, so... And then God apparently tells him that he should tell the board, like, that the Rev should tell the board to think about it over a couple of days and then do the vote later. Yeah. So the Rev's like, I believe now that you are talking to God Mm because your messages are good messages. I don't know. And... So he convinces the board to, like, stay on their vote. Um, fast forward. To the next thing is the Rev gets a phone call yep. at home. And uh, it's the principal. Um, this is right. This is the same night of that meeting. And um, they're like, there's been an accident. And then Annie's home at this point. And there's stupid, sexy parents. Uh, sexy parents. And... Uh, it's like he's, like, going to war because Annie's, like... Be safe. Yeah. Come back safe. And, and he, he stops and he gives this look, and it definitely looks like the look people give in, like, movies and TV shows when someone is going to get hurt. Like, something, right. ba- someone's not coming back. Um, Don't worry. Everybody comes back. So uh, they get to the school, and they it's like this exterior shot of, like, the these bleacher. bleachers that have collapsed. Uh, and... Uh, Rudy was up there uh, shellacking at uh, 11 o'clock at night because there was a marching band competition the next morning, and he wanted the bleachers to look good. Well, this is all because God told him to. Also. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, God told him to. Um, and uh, the school is pressing charges, so there's a police car there, and Rudy's sitting in the police car. But then suddenly the policeman says, you know, it's a good thing this happened now because if this happened eight hours later... A lot of people would have been hurt because this is when all those people would have been in the bleachers for that band competition. And the principal or whatever says, thank God. And the Reb says, what, what did you say? <laughs> and he's like, thank. And then, the- and then everyone looks at him and they're thank God. God. So then the guy like reaches through the window and he's like, hey, Rudy, you can get your. Well, then Rudy's like, I need to retire now. God told me to. Um, and then the principal like. Is like, we're not pressing charges anymore. And he pulls Rudy out of the car. 
and it's all good. So I think, I don't know what we're supposed to gather from this. I'm pretty sure it's like left ambiguous on purpose. But I think it's supposed to be like, you don't need to see things to believe them. Right. But or something. also, this man is hearing voices. Even though apparently these voices are telling him good things or like things about the future. I don't see the future. Well, okay. So this is pretty much the plot of the short-lived ABC show Eli Stone, where the main character Eli Stone has a brain aneurysm, and because of this brain aneurysm, he sees the future in musical form. Oh. And I'm like, oh, is this where they got that? Because this is essentially what's happening is he's getting visions or like voices from God, like Rudy is, and that's preventing things from happening in the future, like bad things, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe it's not. I guess that's the point. For you to decide as a viewer and listener of what you believe in. Yeah. Um, so that's the takeaway here, I guess. Uh, and um, That's the voice. I don't... I'm going to give it a three. I gave the last one a two, right? So I'm going to rate this a three. Um... Uh, I think for I'll... Annie's singing, for drinking all that Diet Coke, <laughs> for chimpanzees. There's only one chimpanzee, but okay. But just generally, like the concept of chimpanzees. On top of heaven. I will give it a 3.5 for those exact same reasons. Um, and who was your best Camden? I am going to say Ruthie for taking care of that chimpanzee. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Or maybe Mary was like, I don't know. She was okay, I guess. But I'm no, Ruthie, say Ruthie was the best. Annie. Annie is my best Camden in this episode. Because she let her heart... Leg for fry. <laughs> that's, really, that's really hard to say. I've never... Freak flag fly. I've never tried to say freak that Freak flag loud. fly. Freak yeah. flag fly. Freak flag fly. Freak flag fly. I gotta say it slow. <laughs> um, I'm not that talented. So, if you want to maybe see Annie's... No, it's gonna be there. Perform- okay, her de- definitely see her performance. Check out our Twitter and our Instagram at CamdenCastShow. Uh, we will also be posting some select screenshots from this episode on As Facebook. As always, yeah. And uh, our okay. world-famous Instagram. It is. It is world-famous. Uh, <laughs> Barry Watson and Beverly Mitchell think so. Yeah. We're working on it. One day Jessica Viewer will like something. We'll get there. Then we'll know we have, we've made it. <laughs> um, you can also subscribe to our podcast either through uh, SoundCloud or iTunes and... Rate, review, like, follow. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this was Camden Cast. Smiling back at me.